Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. More stories of small business owners who are frustrated and fed up with reclosures. From Entrepreneur Magazine, there are six predictions for small businesses. And in our Common Sense conversation this week, we speak to Carrie D. Phillips from The Content Factory. I'm Michael Logan. This is The Common Sense Show. You're listening to The Common Sense Show. If you've just started a new business, or if you're just thinking about it, this podcast is for you. Micah Logan and Jonathan Neves have over 20 years of combined experience as successful entrepreneurs. The advice on this show is what they've used to build their businesses from single-member organizations to over multi-millions in revenue and multi-unit operations. Here are your hosts, Micah Logan and Jonathan Neves. The Common Sense Show is brought to you by The Commodity Click. Introducing The Commodity Click, your one-stop online shop for high-quality and affordable beauty, wellness, and lifestyle goods. The Commodity Click has curated a wide range of items to help you improve your lifestyle, raise your confidence level, and look and feel your best. Right now, get 15% off when you spend $100 or more. Just click, treat, and repeat. We promise not to tell if you go overboard. Visit the Commodity Click at thecommodityclick.com. That's com- click with a Q. So on this episode of the Common Sense Show, we have This Week in Small Business News. So this week in Small Business News, Governor Gavin Newsom has ordered the closure of indoor activities across counties in California. Uh, And some of these um, indoor activities include barbershops, beauty salons, gyms, etc. The only problem with this is that these businesses just reopened. And some businesses are lost for words, upset, angry, and for good reason. You know, there's there's two things going on at one time. There's an economic crisis, given that small business owners and small businesses are not able to function. And the second thing is that you still have the pandemic. So um, obviously, small business owners are quite frustrated uh, with the lack of uh, communication from um, both the government um, about how they should um, proceed and, and even the rollout plans in many states have not gone according to plan um, really, really good um, and uh, have not been able to provide business owners with many answers about how they can reopen their businesses safely uh, with just basic guidelines. But um, small business owners are certainly feeling the crunch. And we have a, um, a, a case of a small business owner who was really expressing her frustration. She owns a salon in San Diego, California. ABC 10 News in San Diego uh, had this story about this salon owner um, who is just simply trying to figure out how she can use her salon to the best way possible, um, even if that means cutting people's hair outdoors. Here's her story. 
Now to the coronavirus. San Diego business owners reacting with tears, frustration and confusion over the governor's new shutdown order. This time they closed without a second round of stimulus money to help soften the blow. Some business owners told our ABC 10 News reporter John Horn they feel like they were punished even after doing everything right. Corrine Lamb was in the middle of cutting a client's hair when her phone started blowing up. Governor Newsom had just announced that several businesses, including salons, had to cease indoor operations. We're going back to square one. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Lamb was especially frustrated because her client at the time had COPD, making her high risk for COVID. Yet she trusted Lamb enough to still come to Salado's salon. And knowing that she feels as safe as she does here, it was maddening. Newsom announced the new round of shutdowns Monday, forcing gyms, salons and malls to cease indoor operations in 30 counties, including San Diego. This in light of an increase in COVID related hospitalizations, ICU beds and positivity testing rates. It's incumbent upon all of us to recognize soberly that COVID-19 is not going away anytime soon. The decision leaves Lamb and other business owners wondering how they'll survive. Like her, many have already exhausted their Paycheck Protection Program funds that helped them get through the first shutdown. It's like we're jumping into a pool that doesn't have water. So who's going to supply the water? I don't know. Lamb may be able to move her haircuts outside, but it's complicated. Plus, the concrete's sweltering, especially with masks and gloves. John Horn, ABC 10 News. The state says the closures will remain in effect until the state public health officer determines it is appropriate for them to modify. Newsom's order impacts 80% of the state's population. So, you know, the interesting thing is um, the, the woman that was speaking in that clip said that she had a customer with uh, COPD who she was trying to accommodate who came in. Um, I think it's, it's, it's brave for that customer to have done that. But, you know, there are many people who rely on small businesses for regular service and for regular uh, shopping, for, for activities of daily living and being able to provide their themselves with food and transportation and their needs um, just to go about every day. Um, there hasn't been anything more demonstrated than some of the riots that have happened in certain states where uh, the rioters uh, and looters um, have burned down some businesses, which have affected people's ability to just simply go right across the street and to go grocery shopping or to, to transact business. And now they have to go miles out the way because the businesses are no longer there. So small businesses are really having a tough go of it in 2020. Certainly isn't the year um, of the small business. But, you know, small business owners are frustrated. And you may be one of the small businesses that are going through this right now. And the frustration, no doubt, is mounting for you. And honestly, um, there's going to become a time when there's people's lack of apologies or frustrations or the lack of sympathy is going to play. And people are just going to build and build and build like a soda can getting shaken up. But you got to remain patient uh, with this. And Continue to find ways to adapt. We, we talked about pivoting so many times on this podcast. And as small business owners, for us to be able to pivot um, is a crucial aspect of being a small business owner. Your ability to change on a dime and try to retrofit your business or um, change, away, hop, change around your business so that you can accommodate um, the order of the day 
and to even maybe even anticipate what's coming up is also a skill set that's needed. Anticipation for how the government is going to respond to some of these closures and the pandemic right now is is key. Um, obviously, we know that there's a lot of um, uh, politics taking sides with the with the coronavirus thing, but that does not help small business owners who are caught kind of in the middle. And small business owners have to look out for themselves and to create a plan that actually works for them. The best way to do that is not just to create a plan for reopening, create a plan for dealing with the coronavirus itself, but creating a long-term plan that can be flexible and give your customers as as best as you can what they need um, and, and pivot on a dime. So I would say that you should operate with two functioning plans happening at the same time. So your one plan should be your your current operational plan in a post-pandemic uh, uh, coronavirus uh, reopening phase world. And then the second plan should be what, what happens if your, your business or the phases of reopening get rolled back? How can you still continue to operate in certain aspects that conform to the standards of the the law that's that's happening. Um, I know that in some states, some governors are, um, like in Massachusetts, are, com- are not compelling, but encouraging people to turn in business owners who are violating some of their reopening standards. Um, despite how you feel about that, it's important that we all make sure that we stay within the framework of the reopening. But the best way to do that is to know what the reopening phase guidelines are stone cold so that you can pivot on a dime and be able to put yourself in a position where you can continue to um, continue to conduct your business. So whether that means that indoor activities are shut down and you have to move outdoors in some capacity, just be prepared for that. Have a plan for that so that you can just be able to do it within a day, 24 to 48 hours. So oftentimes, one thing I notice is that when the governors in these states are making these plans and implementing orders. They're starting like the next day. And so you don't have a lot of time to pivot. But if you have a plan already in place where you can shift between phases, just as the government is shifting between phases, then it will help out and alleviate some frustration that you feel because your business is being interrupted. It's not ideal to have two different ways to operate a business. Businesses rely on systems, consistent systems to be able to deliver a product or service in a in a deliver in a uh, constant way that uh, is effective and doesn't change in an unchanging way to deliver it to customers and Whenever there is a wrench thrown in the middle of it because of shifting priorities or policies, it really does require a lot of patience and ingenuity. So just stay ahead of the game and try to make out your plans prior to even having to deal with um, a shifting, ever-shifting policy to try to like avoid that, that frustration. So... I think that what's going to happen is that there's going to be a lot of shifting between these phases over the next few weeks. And, you know, just look, as a small business owner, you've had to deal with opening your business. Um, You had to deal with probably a slow start or maybe your business has started off really like a boom and then slow down. Wherever you are in the life of your business, though, you have to be able to adapt. Businesses who don't adapt will die in this environment of constantly changing regulation, constant political bickering, constant pressure from the government and consumers, um, people who have different feelings about 
mask and, and everything else. You may feel strongly yourself about one particular thing, but remember your customers pay your bills. So make yourself adaptable to so you can serve your customers. Right now, the bottom line is your bottom line. And you want to make sure that you can continue to deliver at a high level for your customers on a regular basis without having to have uh, being caught in a position where you can't do anything um, about the position that you're in. So um, that's my two cents on how to adapt and kind of stay, um, kind of surf the wave, um, if if that makes sense. The wave of changing phases is going to happen. You need to be able to put your business on a surfboard and ride the wave in a way where it makes your business um, uh, profitable. So um, that's my take on uh, the small business news for this week. And now we're going to go into this week's big idea. All right, this week's big idea comes from Entrepreneur Magazine. Um, and this particular topic um, for this week is uh, quite interesting. Um, I can't stop running my stinking bracelet over this microphone. Anyways, um, so... The topic of this um, week's big idea are six predictions for how long this crisis, excuse me, six predictions for how this crisis will impact small businesses long term. Obviously, small businesses are getting slammed right now, um, and um, they've had to pivot uh, tremendously in order to stay to stay viable in the marketplace. Um, but it's our job. It's what we do as small business owners is we stay viable. We, we try to continue to improve. But here's some six predictions from uh, Brian uh, Nimhauser, um, uh, our guest contributor to Entrepreneur Magazine. Some of the stuff that he says is obvious um, if you're paying attention at all right now to small business in America. And some of it is interesting. So one of the things he said is uh, printed materials will face greater headwinds. So uh, people have been predicting the downfall of print for decades. Um, but So this is not a prediction, he says, but print has remained a key part of many small businesses' marketing playbooks, even as digital and social content has taken off. Um, but uh, the thing about printed uh, material now is you have to worry about the hygiene of it. And not even in restaurants can you get a... Um, can you get a, a menu for the most part? And a lot of restaurants around the country, their guidelines don't include having physical menus anymore. And if they do, the, the menus are single use and then they throw them away right after you use them. So printed materials are maybe going the way of the dinosaur, uh, given people's feelings about how hygienic these things are. Um, so you want to stay ahead of this. If you're in a business where you have to, it requires contracts and people to e-sign things or for them to actually have paper, you may want to consider having the ability for people to DocuSign or e-sign or Adobe sign documents, which is perfectly legal for them to do. Um, and uh, it's a way for them to feel protected against uh, perhaps having to deal with the surface contamination, which as we know in the CDC outlined is... Um, not necessarily a major factor in transmission of the coronavirus. Number two, digital channels will become a core marketing tactic for new businesses. So um, he says that brick and mortar small businesses are, are often reticent to spend their small business, excuse me, their small amount of free time learning creative tools, uh, how to build a successful social media strategy. 
Um, but the stay-at-home order has created both the time and the need to lean far and more heavily on digital marketing. I agree with this to a certain extent. Um, I just did a campaign myself, which was a direct mail campaign for one of my businesses, and it actually went really, really well. Um, we made our money back about two times our ROI on the direct mail, which is pretty good for direct mail these days. And we continue to do digital advertising, but um, don't be fooled when I say that about direct mail. But digital digital marketing is still key. Facebook, LinkedIn, Google Ads, these are all things that are available and you should learn how to do it. And if you don't want to learn how to do it as a small business owner, then you could hire a marketing firm. If that's not in your budget, then like Facebook has a small business coaching that they they offer for free for creating ads and content and they're making their ads manager so easy to use now that you can go in and they'll step you through creating ad content and they they're making the goals for creating ads a lot easier to understand as well and the same thing with uh, Google and uh, LinkedIn is uh, is working well too. Another thing is because a lot of the large companies have pulled their advertising dollars from Facebook for the next six months as a boycott um, for whatever reason, um, Facebook ads are actually much cheaper at the moment. So I would say take advantage of that. I know that Google, their ad revenue is down this year um, for Google ads. And so they're also offering promotions. My marketing firm um, got a credit for me as a Google marketing partner um, that they're allowing us to have um, as we u- utilize Google ads ourselves. So um, there's a lot of utility in using a lot of these digital marketing um, features to try to grow your business. Um, we got a lot of leads in the last month um, that actually converted because of our digital, our, our focus on digital marketing. Um, number three, building a customer email list will be even more vital. This is true. Um, there's a couple of ways that you can talk to your audience. The first one is you can talk to your audience via Facebook ads, um, doing a video. You can talk to your audience uh, doing live video on social media. Another way to talk to your audience is email. Once a week, maybe send an email out where you can directly communicate with your customers and let them know exactly what's going on. It goes to their inbox. And if they trust you and and if you create good content on email, you'll get people to open their emails more, and then they'll also be more likely to try to communicate back with you. Email is going to be um, huge coming up. Um, You may even want to look at loyalty programs as a way to get people to sign up for your email list and even to stay. If you put promotions in your email, people will be more likely to open it and they'll be more likely to kind of connect with you. At the very least, they'll be more likely to kind of prevent themselves from unsubscribing if you have promos in there just just so they can see what you have coming out coming up um, number four you want to be more team uh, you want to have more team collaboration from a distance um, so staying in touch with customers is critical um, but staying in touch with employees is even um, more crucial so regular staff meetings um, using video conference tools like zoom, um, even using Microsoft Teams is a way to go. Um, you can use uh, WhatsApp. We've used WhatsApp. You can use Skype. Um, 
you could even use Slack as a product productivity tool where you can kind of chat and form threads and talk directly to people. There's a lot of different collaboration tools that you should use in your small business. And one of the things that I find with small business owners is that they, they do not run their business like large businesses. And because of that, they suffer consequences that they don't need to suffer, like miscommunication with employees, like delay in getting um, information to customers, from customers, to employees. Um, and one of the best ways to do this is to leverage some of the tools that are being used right now to communicate. And one of the best ways to do that is to to try to research some tools that fit your business mo- model the best. Remember, just because there's a business tool out there that is available and does some of what you want, your goal should be to find one that fits your business the best. Um, so do your research, take your time, compare tools, and then pull the trigger on one because there's no better time than right now. Number five, more businesses of one. So not every business can be done remotely. Um, and technology has not enabled remote debt cleaning or massage services. But at the same time, we're seeing a huge rise in demand for remote experiences. People are turning to online fitness and cooking classes. They're picking up guitar and taking online lessons. They're watching online concerts and performances. Um, one person with the skill that's in demand can find an audience. And when they do, that could be huge. So um, there is a demand for single person services right now, and that demand could uh, skyrocket your business and your revenue in the future. If you are a sole proprietor um, or you're self employed right now, you leverage technology, but also leverage your dis- digital ads into an opportunity to talk to an audience to tell them about what you're what you're producing. Um, and you have there's a it's a great time to gain market share because everyone's looking at internet tools at the moment. Even people who never thought they would have they would use Zoom and, and some of these features are are using Zoom um, with mixed results. They would probably say number six. You have to create ongoing value that makes sense to sell. And when you sell it, sell it as a subscription. This will be a major major advantage. Now. Micro-entrepreneurs, people with small businesses who have niche um, outside of the structures that usually help them get paid, have a unique opportunity to set their prices and set up a monetization structure. Um, So this has the capacity to greatly destabilize how we value certain kinds of work or online experiences. It puts power in the hands of individual creators, coaches, or experience makers. You have the opportunity to sell what you're doing as a business in a subscription service right now. If you haven't thought about it, if traditionally your business is one that is pay to play or it's pay for a group of things, you can now set up a a subscription service. It is so cheap to do it right now. Now is the time to hop on it. And I say that I use this example all the time that there are subscription services even in the car industry right now. Um, like I think it's Porsche or Mercedes has a, uh, has a su- subscription service, $1,500 a month. You, and at some select dealers, you can swap out the car every month, $1,500 a month pays for car insurance. It pays for, um, the car note. It pays for maintenance, repairs, everything. You don't have to do anything. It just hits your car for 1500 bucks a month. You can stay in the car. You can get another one. It does not matter. Um, and that's the power of subscription services. It is taking the act of asking for money on a regular basis out of the picture. And so now you don't have to ask for money. You just simply turn it on and people will keep it and they'll stay and they'll pay 
for longer. Um, this crisis is creating a strong incentive to pe- push people past any hesitation um, to turn over their credit cards online. Before the pandemic, people may have been apprehensive to give people their credit cards online to pay for something, but now people are getting more accustomed to online shopping, and this is why Amazon's uh, stock and their the valuation of their company and their profits are soaring because more people are shopping online because they have no choice but to do so. And so what's going to happen at the end of this is that people will continue to look online for things that they can buy, especially people who have never or would never do it in the past because they're going to be looking for things that they need. So this is an opportunity for you to create a a digital marketing platform that makes sense to people and then find something that you can sell as a subscription, get paid automatically every month, and then it takes the asking for the money off the table and you won't have to do it again. And that's a great part of selling subscription services is you only have to sell it once and it sells itself every single month. Assuming that you have something that the value is so high that people are attracted to it, you can just focus then in on pr- providing what you're producing at a high level and continue to impress the people who are paying for the service. Make them feel if they're paying $10 a month that they're getting something that's worth $100 a month by value add, value add, value add. It does. It shouldn't cost you $100 a month to deliver it. It should cost you $5 a month to deliver it if it's a $10 subscription. But what you want to do is you want to make sure that you are giving people something that they can use that they value at like $100 a month. And that, my friends, is our big idea. Now it's time to get to a uh, common sense conversation. This common sense conversation was with Carrie DePhillips from the Content Factory, and she is a stud superstar in the SEO PR space. And I really am excited about this interview. I can't wait for you all to hear what she has to say about um, about um, PR and strategy and things like that. We are definitely going to have her in on the on the podcast again. And um, uh, listen to the conversation. This is what she had to say, and then we'll recap some of my favorite points. It's t- t- time for another common sense conversation. All right, welcome to Common Sense Conversations. And our conversation today is with Carrie D. Phillips. Um, she is the CEO of the Content Factory, and she's also a megastar in the SEO world. How do I know that? Because we had a conversation before we started talking. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and uh, she's ranked. She's been ranked number two, then uh, number two woman in SEO by SERP Stat. Also, she's created uh, Sisters of SEO to inspire more women to get in the SEO field. Um, she is she has like 6,200 members. Is that, did I get the number right? Yeah, yeah. It turns out uh, I co-founded the largest network of women in the SEO industry. Started hey. a Facebook group about a year and a half ago, and now we've got 6,200 femmes who are just interested in uh, worldwide domination of the search engine results pages. <laughs> Amazing. People like me love search engine dominance. So um, anyone that can help us get there, let's do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the reason why I reached out to you, number one, was because your expertise, of course, but like also because um, we need you to apply your expertise today to like what's going on with small business owners. And um, as you know, um, we our, our podcast specifically, um, you know, helps small business owners to overcome challenges and obstacles. And, mm-hmm. and right and right now, messaging for small business owners is crucially important. Um, 
because at the same time that you have we're having a pandemic hit, we're also having a political issues crop up as well. And so um, small businesses need to navigate uh, these issues with some, you know, with some grace and some kind of fine line ability. Um, and uh, what I what I wanted to talk to you about to start with is um, first. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I mean, I gave everyone the high points. Um, sure. And then I want to go, before we go into the questions, I want you to like, just tell everybody what, what you do, um, a little bit more about who you are, and um, and then let's let's go from there. Sure. Uh, I founded The Content Factory as a digital marketing agency in 2010. Um, my personal area of expertise is SEO, but in order to be really good at SEO, you have to be good at PR too. And so I kind of developed a whole PR section of my agency or peer department rather, uh, to go after backlinks, but then also earn media coverage and help our clients define their messaging and then get that messaging out there in a way that doesn't read as overly self-promotional because then people tune it out. You might as well be taking out an ad, right? Mm -hmm. um, but also like points down the path to a sale and ideally like the best messaging lets customers or clients know who you are, what you do, and why you're different or better than than the other alternatives out there. And so essentially that just boils down to messaging and how effectively you're able to get that out in the media and through uh, digital efforts like search engine optimization or social media marketing. Um, well, okay, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say that uh, the content factory uh, represents clients ranging from uh, Astroglide to, we were just talking about fortified ballistic uh, security, which is a custom door, uh, window, and panic room provider. That's awesome. I want one right now. I do too. And it's like <laughs> this thing called Ballisticrete now. You can spray on your walls and it'll turn any wall into just like a, a bulletproof panic room worthy. Really? It's very cool. And it's, it's that not is very cool. Sick. Yeah. Wow. Better living through technology, you know? I know. That is, that's like something from uh, Get Smart or um, like, I just think about like, like, you know, the tech guy or woman from um, the spy shows mm -hmm. and then they like have like the shoes with the knife in them and or like the spray that blows stuff up. Like that's what I think about when I think about, you know, ballistic bulletproof spray that can go on any wall, you know, it's like the first thing. I would do, or anyone, I'm sure, with my kind of level of idiocy is spray it on my skin to see if I can be bulletproof when I walk down the street. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's first, you know? <laughs> I don't endorse any of that. Don't spray yourself with ballistic bulletproof spray to see if you're bulletproof. Yeah, that's, that's an off-label use, I would say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, why are small business owners so bad at messaging? Yeah, I mean, it's it can be in, intimidating. Do you know what I mean? And beyond like the messaging, how do you get it out there? And especially with, you know, COVID, and this is going to vary by country, but with the coronavirus, and I know that in New Hampshire, some people are really pissed off that some restaurants want you to wear a mask when you go inside, but it's not mandatory, and some so some restaurants don't care, and then people mm -hmm. get pissed off about that, and so. Uh, when it comes to just like public health and safety and just the safety of your clients and customers, I would think that you would want to clearly outline everything that you're doing to keep your place as safe as possible. I know we were talking earlier about how um, when you went to lunch or went to dinner yeah. with friends, 
Mm-hmm. Um, after the restaurants started opening up again, all of a sudden you had to order through an app on your phone or a single use menu. And, um, you know, they bring out the, uh, silverware and napkins right with the food. So nobody coughs coronavirus all over it, um, while it's sitting on the table, but like clearly communicating that and the new expectations to customers is really important, especially like in a restaurant setting where like food safety is always a concern, but then how do you essentially retrain people on here's the new way that we do business in a post coronavirus world? Yeah. You know, it's amazing that people, you know, the opinions from the general public range from you're a murderer. If you don't wear a mask all the way to, you know, you're, you know, you're violating my civil liberties. Um, and you're, you're a murderer because you're not allowing me to do this. Like, you know, there's no, I think that the average person feels in the middle about this thing, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's usually what the average person feels, but like, you know, for, for small business owners, you know, you know, public messaging around this specific topic about mask or coronavirus in general, because it's been so politicized now, um, it's a tightrope, you know? And, and so like, if, you know, it's almost like people on this side or this side, um, which are usually the small ends of the extremes, but they get the most press and they get the most noise on, uh, on the internet are the ones who, who are like, who are going to like clamor for, for people to try to like, um, you know, affect your business somehow. So business owners are, are I think, rightly nervous about um, everything they say. Um, and they should be, yeah. Yeah. And, and But, like, they should always be thinking about messaging, which is, you know, interesting, you know. Right. Anyways, that's a whole other topic, I think. Yeah. Um, but so what, what role do you think that PR plays right now, like, during the, the, the pandemic? It plays a huge role, and it it really, the degree of which coronavirus plays um, a role in various companies, like it it varies by company and problems with the company and expertise at the company. So Mm. we have one client, um, we've got a CEO who is just slaying it. He's Mm. uh, been quoted in Forbes, Entrepreneur, Inc., just like, he bathes in media coverage every morning, basically, but it's because he's out there talking about leadership and talking about how he's um, he's got a factory. He has uh, it's a direct to consumer product, mm-hmm. um, and so obviously they had to change uh, they had to change how they did business, but then they also had to change how they communicated um, mm-hmm. with both employees and with customers because now all of a sudden the people who were used to doing work a certain way. They have to, again, relearn. They have to be retrained on, now you have to stay at least six feet away from everyone. Now we need more warehouse space than we did before because, or factory space than we did before because uh, we used to be able to keep people like two feet apart. Uh, well, now we got to go buy another building. You know, it, there are all kinds of management decisions that are made, especially with regard to, you know, whether to lay people off if business is down. Um, this particular a client is a like a home product mm-hmm. and they're laying it right now because um, people are at home all the time looking around like ways to fix up their walls and backyards and whatnot. DIY. Um, yeah. Right. Exactly. So that client is getting a ton of great media coverage. The leadership team uh, has been consistently quoted on how to effectively handle and communicate uh, you know, the changes in the workforce and production schedule and even shipping schedule. Uh, to clients and employees. We have another client who absolutely does not want to touch. It's it, it's not a similar product, 
but it is in that it's a direct to consumer home product. Right. They don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. They don't want their executive team being quoted about how to handle coronavirus. Mm -hmm. um, they've got unique challenges uh, mm -hmm. in the sense that also um, they already had the uh, factory space, so they didn't have to go out or they're not actively seeking uh, more factory space, which is a problem for okay. companies right now. But their biggest issue is as a result of um, a reduction and just like the workforce, people who are coming to work because now people have to take care of their kids. So right. there was like a pretty big turnover rate at the factory. Um, but their shipping times are crazy slow right now. Yeah. And, and they can't help it. They're doing the best that they can, mm -hmm. you know, but they just had to hire a bunch of new people who don't really know what they're doing in the shipping department yet. And there's some growing pains with that. Oh, joy. Right? Joy, joy, joy. All these angry customers wondering, you know, where their products are. And so I feel how, like how do you manage those expectations and how do you get people to understand that like these shipping delays are to be expected totally reasonable and these are just crazy times and we've all got to you know bear with each other as we figure it out. Yeah, you know, I feel like for the first time in history um the concern of the worker and the concern of the customer has aligned, you know, with coronavirus, right? Like I, I just had um, a segment. We do a segment every week on the uh, podcast called uh, This Week in Small Business News. And last week it was the concern of employees about returning to work. And, mm -hmm. and I'm in a couple of uh, masterminds for some of the businesses that I own. And I can tell you that um, that was certainly a concern of uh, one of the owners of a business in that group, which was that like, a certain percentage of their employees didn't want to come, didn't want to return because of that. So, you know, you know, messaging your public message essentially to your customers is also being read by your employees at mm -hmm. the moment as well, you know, and, and because oftentimes this, this, although there may be internal memos, your, your workers are always, always also looking to see, well, how are they, what are they going to say to the, to the public? And is this going to match what they're telling us in private? Exactly. Exactly. Right. And when there are discrepancies there, that's when you get bad PR. Yeah. Because eventually the workers are going to start tweeting things. You know, oh, yeah. it's not oh, that difficult to just fire up an anonymous account and you don't know where it came from, but there's a leak somewhere, you know? Right, exactly. Twitter, yeah. the and land that, of the, uh, the lost. That can be devastating to companies, though, because when um, consumers trust a brand mm -hmm. and they, they feel good about making those purchases, and then something like that gets out, and it's like, well, maybe they don't actually care about the this brand that I thought I love so much, maybe they don't really care about their workers as evidenced by this leaked memo or whatnot. And that's how you, public, per, uh, public perception can really shift. On, yeah. It can change on a dime. And it'll yeah, totally. U-turn real quick and go yep. in the other direction if you're not careful. And so having consistent messaging and messaging that ideally, if you're a business owner, you genuinely care about the services or products that you're offering to your potential clients or customers, right? If you know, then that's a, that's a different problem. But if you do care, I, taking that care and carrying it through uh, all of your internal and external communications, that should be your primary goal. Yeah. You know, the, the, the main problem, obviously, uh, with messaging is that there's never context. There's only content, right? And context matters more than content um, because the content can be anything, but if there's no context put to it, you can make something just benign seem like it's something murderous, right? Or traitorous. And so 
um, oftentimes, like you say, when, you know, public sentiment pivots on the dime, when <laughs> there's only content put out there that the, that the business can't contextualize. And, and, and sometimes now the public feels like contextualizing the content that was put out there is a bad thing versus a good thing. And so it's hard to kind of get the genie back in the bottle, even, even if the context actually puts, um, uh, even if the context actually um, dampens the maybe the the potential um, malice of what is perceived by right. what was put out there, you know. I think um, a really great way to combat that, combat that, especially as it pertains to coronavirus uh, and coronavirus communications, is don't just say what you're doing; show the why behind it. So, mm -hmm. for example, all of a sudden you got to scan a QR code at your dinner table now in order for the, the server to bring you your food. Well, why are we doing that? Because mm -hmm. menus are really filthy, actually. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't want yeah. to touch these menus, and you've been doing it for a long time. So let's just right. not do that anymore. And so educating, not just, again, here's this new thing you have to do, but here's the why behind it. And, again, the why demonstrates that you actually mm -hmm. care. We want not just you to stay safe as a customer in this restaurant. We want our servers to stay, stay safe and the dishwashers too. You know, just across the board, how can we all elevate our activity to the point where we're keeping each other a little bit safer? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And, and the reason why is because I, oftentimes I say to myself, when organizations, even these Fortune 500 companies put out statements oftentimes, it often lacks context. You mm -hmm. know, they put out these general broad statements um, about something that's that they're doing. People call what they're doing into question. But the reason why is because there's no there's no context behind the reason why. It's like, well, we thought about this for some time. We analyze it. And it's like all this just puff language to make the PR sound like thoughtful. But it doesn't actually it's not really helpful. Right. Because it doesn't explain exactly why they've what led up to the decision and why they made the decision which again could be a, a great decision for the customers the shareholders and the employees but nobody would ever know if if everything you say is just completely generalized right, right. To, to the public and I'm um, you know that like intuitively I, I know that you have two children mm -hmm. you probably are able to teach your kids how to do things better when you explain the why they listen better that's you know? right. Yeah. They just like don't touch the hot stove. Well, the reason why we don't touch the hot stove is because you're going to get really hurt. <laughs> you know? Right. Exactly. Uh, it, yeah. The behavior is very similar, um, or the the communication style uh, is very similar as you're trying to educate your customers or clients. Yeah. So, small business owners often have limited budgets for PR and. But they're being they right now. There's a massive spotlight on small business right now, um, in the in the media because they're the most uh, one of the most vulnerable populations economically right now um, from the coronavirus pandemic, right? And so small business owners are kind of in the crosshairs, and everyone's looking at them to see what they're doing. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that because the government shut down a lot, you know, small business in general across the board, but large businesses have been able to open before small businesses have. The perception is that large businesses are safer um, than small businesses, right? Because oh, how can the small business handle this? Right. Although that may not be true. So how could a small business owner with like a limited budget for PR, um, win the war on PR. Free budget. 
I've got some free tools and actionable info. <laughs> oh, snap. I knew. I've got guides for you. This was a match made in heaven. Right? Because I've got, I've got a blog post that will clearly explain how mm. to do what I'm about to tell you about, as well as a template uh, awesome. for pitches. So, uh, hey, we'll put that We'll put that link in the description of, the, um, of this podcast, too. So, so it's free. Uh, it's called Payro. If you go to helperreporter.com, mm-hmm. uh, you can sign up to be a source. And oh, wow. we get our clients major media coverage. So there's a very free thing that anybody can sign up for. Um, this is how I'm in Fast Company on a regular basis. And uh, it, you can actually build very solid uh, relationships with journalists through this service. But essentially what it is is an email digest that you get like three times a day. And it's there are like a hundred different reporter queries per email uh, of reporters looking for expert sources for their stories. Most of the time that expertise is just like, are you a small business owner? Cause we're looking for small business owners who are doing X, Y, Z. And if you're like, Oh, Hey, that's me. Then you send an email pitch to the reporter through the Hero service. Again, this is all totally free. And if the reporter likes your pitch, then you end up getting media coverage. So that's a totally free, highly effective, basically foolproof. Like if you follow the process and you don't get media coverage at the end of the month, you're not following the process because you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really, truly that fail-proof. And that's great for backlinks for SEO too. So again, how do you develop these, uh, like this network of uh, high domain authority backlinks pointing to your website? Hero is how you do it. Uh, you mm. could write blog posts, but it takes a lot longer. And hey, yeah. cooler. Like you get to brag at the dinner table about being in fast company. My grandma loves that. She tells mm-hmm. all of her friends. <laughs> you always want to get grandma something to brag about. You're right. That's right. Um, she goes back to her her granny circle. So, Hayro uh, hey, is. I firmly believe, like, if you care at all about getting media coverage for your brand, and it's free again, there's no excuse not to sign up for Hayro. Hey, That's over at helperreporter.com. I have a pitch template that I can share with your audience as well as a blog post. It's like a complete guide to how we use Hero to get our clients media coverage and how you can follow our process to do the same. That's awesome. You hear that people who are listening to this podcast, you are going to be in fast web company. Maybe yeah, <laughs> you do, if you do this. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll get that. We'll get that report out to everyone. Absolutely. And then, so Hero is a great service. I highly recommend that you sign up for it. There are similar services that cost a lot of money, mm-hmm. um, but that one's free. Uh, yeah. It is honestly like the best one. Um, it's better than some of the paid ones, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Interesting because uh, there are, I know, I know there's like a few, um, I don't know your relationship to some of these companies, so I'll spare the specific name of the website. But like, I know that um, there are some that are paid um, where it seemed like you, like just you, you get less than what you were just talking about with Halo. Like, I looked into some of those, and I'm like, okay. No, there's um, I mean, honestly like there's there's a lot of scam stuff going on. But Hero is on Excision, which is like the largest PR service company, like software as a service company in the industry, uh, and they're so big that they use Halo to get potential clients. <laughs> like That's this. so funny. So when you sign up, like use a fake email address because the salesperson will be calling you to upsell you on <laughs> you don't need, but you do want that hero. Right. So sign up for Hero, that's free. 
Um, there are some very targeted media queries that can make you and your business look great, like you as an executive. Mm -hmm. um, this is a great way to build up your thought leadership profile. Um, suddenly, when you've been quoted in a lot of high, uh, like highly recognizable media outlets, and you've been giving your advice, and you know as it pertains to whatever it is that you've been talking about, business leadership will say. Then, as you uh, you know pitch different events for speaking fees or speaking engagements and speaking fees, yeah, wants to do that for free. You know, love, um, love the speaking fees. You're more like it makes you look more legit. Yeah. Um, if you like on a local basis, because I understand that not all of the people listening are running like national companies. Um, I can serve as clients anywhere in the world as mm -hmm. a digital marketing agency, but let's say you're a gym owner and mm -hmm. you've got a physical location yeah. in Boston, we'll say. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, then, very, that's very specific, Harry. Right. Yes. Then <laughs> 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 um, your strategy is going to be a little bit different because who cares if somebody in Australia reads you in Fast Company, they're not walking through your door and paying you money. Right. work out at your gym. So then you want to focus on a more local angle. And really all that that means is reaching out to journalists in your local area and letting them know what you're up to. Like, let's say that you're running a gym and you uh, are taking very cool measures to keep your members safe mm -hmm. from coronavirus. Whatever that might be. Maybe, maybe you use a UV light and sanitize everything every hour right mm. that's a that's a phone call you want to make to your local newspaper and tv station and invite them over right. like they're not just going to hear about this uh through word of mouth you've got to pick up the phone and call them and say hey i'm sanitizing every hour everything in my gym would you like to see how i do it because i think that more gyms should be doing this it's just like the again next level and keeping everyone safe do you think it's like the part of the issue, though, that people don't reach out to like newspapers and tell them everything they're doing is because they personally feel like it's not newsworthy? I think that that's a mistake that a lot of business owners make as well. But I think the number one thing, like the number one pushback, because I've done some market research on this um, through my audience mm -hmm. of small business owners, um, they're afraid of bad media coverage and they're afraid of like they've got weird fears. They're afraid right. of too big. See, I saw that come up in the market research a lot. Like, oh, I'm afraid of getting too famous. And I'm like, that is, that should not be your number one fear. Right. <laughs> Don't let that right. back. You know? fear, fear of success. That is, it's, it, maybe it's ultimately that the fear of success will lead to um, increased criticism and they're, and they're afraid of the criticism. No, of course. And it does. Um, I've been interviewed on live national TV many times. Um, one time I was on CNN and I just didn't have a good day. I said mm -hmm. um, uh, a lot. Obviously, I was very nervous. I was just sweating through my dress under hot light. My <laughs> national um, and off too much. And I got uh, so much negative feedback when people actually wrote me hate mail. And so for like a week, I mm -hmm. had my assistant checking my email because I just, I didn't want, it was too much for me. But that, the solution to that was as easy as having my assistant check the email. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, four, four words, right? Don't read the comments. And I got over it, and I learned from it. You know, I, yeah. <laughs> I try did not you read to say um and on much. Did you read the comments? They say that they say they say never read the comments when you're when you're doing like a, a national interview or a television interview. Just skip right over the comments. But you're drawn to it. You want to know what people yeah. want to know about you. 
what, what people say about you. You know, it's easier said than done to not. I know. Comments. That's you, true. Especially when they're about you. You're like, of course, I want to know that. People are vicious, man. Like you know, it's like be. And, and this is like the drawback of the internet. It's like, oh, I can watch the interview and then respond right now because it's, mm-hmm. it's stream of conscious, top of mind, boom. Like, this is how I feel about, you know, Gary's interview right here. Yeah. It's just a mental throw up, like immediate mental throw up, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and another fear that people have, or not fear, it's just a, a concern that keeps them from making this media outreach yeah. is I don't know how to find the reporter. It's like, well, we live in the internet era. Let's start with the Google. With the Google search of the reporter's name and media outlet, that's going to give you some results. Probably they're on Twitter. Journalists are huge on Twitter, and you can just pitch them via mm-hmm. Twitter. If you can't find their email address, I bet you they've got a LinkedIn profile. They check those messages, shoot them mm-hmm. a message, and they'll probably respond. You know, tell them what you're up to. But don't let the fear of success, the fear of failure, or let's be real, it's laziness with regard to not looking up the journalist contact or the media outlet uh, contact info. Mm-hmm. Uh, those three things should not stop you from getting your message out there, educating your target audience about who you are, what you do, and ideally drawing business to your door. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good message. Uh, I know you have a hard stop soon. So I have another question, though. Um, so with politics um, in the present day being so divisive and people on you know, every side, we kind of t- touched on this earlier, um, of these issues, how can business, small business owners create like a neutral message that's, you know, apolitical that is, that kind of just walks, walks the line and, and doesn't fall in, into the political realm because at the end of the day, small business owners have to generate revenue. Revenue comes right. from sales, sales come from customers and customers come from everywhere, right? Not just yeah. one place. Yeah. So the first question is, uh, that business owners should ask themselves are, or is rather, should I be making a statement at all? Mm-hmm. First of all, who cares? Mm-hmm. How big is your audience? Do you know what I mean? But then secondarily, what should that message be? If you're going to come out with a message that's all lives matter, maybe don't, or maybe do, and then let everyone know that you're that type of person. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And right. I think that um, some people aren't afraid of of that type of messaging of like turning off potential customers or clients um with that type of messaging i i wouldn't go there yeah um i think it's perfectly acceptable to say nothing um but if you're going to say something it should probably you know i don't think that companies necessarily need to shy away from saying black lives matter, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I don't think that companies need to shy away from necessarily having, or at least opening up the dialogue to, um, for example, I got an email from, there's a service called uh, Tailwind and they're a Pinterest uh, software as a service marketing company. Um, and that a lot of agencies use Tailwind. They've got this group where they used to have uh, this like group system called Tailwind Tribes that would help get more eyes on your Pinterest pins. Uh, I got an email from them last week saying that, you know, they didn't know better when they named Tailwind Tribes, but now they do know better. And as a result of that knowledge, they're going to do better by changing that name. 
And it's just, right. it's something as simple as changing the name of something. Right. But it, the way that they communicated it and the way that they took ownership of their shortcomings and then kind of spun it around in a, but we're committed to doing better. We're going to continue to do better. And, uh, you know, if, if you spot ways that we can do better in the future, please let us know because we're very sensitive to that. And we're the kind of company that will care enough to take the next step that results in something less offensive. And in this case, it was just, uh, changing tailwind tribes names. Yeah. Sorry about that. My network is, uh, it's being brutal to me at the moment. Um, <clears throat> clearly, my network hates um, uh, proper messaging, public messaging. Um, <clears throat> let me just see if I can switch to this other band here. All right, so it seems stable momentarily. So, <clears throat> so you, so you were giving the example of Tailwind. I guess we can just recap this a bit. Tailwind. Um, a company called Tailwind, and and you were saying that their name uh, was may have been publicly offensive, and they addressed it. They kind of stayed ahead of it. Right. Yeah. So uh, obviously, they got negative feedback about their Tailwind tribe. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And they took that feedback to heart, decided to do something about it, change their name. They sent an email communicating why they were changing their name, owning mm -hmm. up to the fact that they could do better, should do better, and are now doing better. Mm -hmm. is the result of this name change and then also open up the discussion for if there are other ways in which we can do better uh we are very sensitive to that and if you give us the opportunity you'll find that you know we'll come through and i read that email and uh i admired the change i i admired the um the ownership of the yeah. mistake mm -hmm. it wasn't like there was no responsibility there the ceo took personal responsibility i like that yeah. Um, there, there were just a lot of great things about the way that that message was communicated, even though it wasn't necessarily great news. Do you know what I mean? And even though that message pointed out the fact that they had done something wrong, um, or they could have done better. Right. Um, but again, the way that you communicate these things should be very open, should be very transparent. And if you screw up, say that you screwed up and then next step, how are you going to do better moving forward? You know, the, and the funny thing is that it's like it all comes down to if you if you view your business or a corporation like the entity that it's legally that it legally is, um, then you will treat it just like any personal kind of relationship that you have with someone else, right? Like, what would you want to hear? Um, what would you want someone to say to you? How would you interact in this situation? And and if you're a half decent person, it's easy to say, you know what, I'm just. Now's not to, now's not the right time for me to chime in about this, and that might be okay. That might just be perfectly fine. Um, mm -hmm. And silence is a strong message, and it does not mean complicity all the time, like people think it is. You know, I think they falsely assume that you know, oh, if if a company has not commented on something, it means that you're complicit in this. And I think that's a false equivalency, of course. But um, I think it, the individual business owners, honestly, yeah. I I personally don't see any there can be less harm done by staying silent sometimes mm -hmm. than by opening yep. your mouth. And so only open your mouth if you've got something to say and you expect that people will care about it. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing is that you're going to get criticized regardless. So you have to figure out what criticism is, is actually 
um, worse. And what I think is oftentimes what happens is when companies stay silent and maybe some people, there's some clamor about, oh, they should be talking, but they, mm-hmm. stay, but they stay silent. People get over the fact that they were silent faster than if you say something that's now in the ether that they can clip, edit down or use again. Um, and then it just creates a whole nother long narrative. And then it kind of traps you in the moment longer than you would want to to do it. You know, Bill Belichick on the New England Patriots is a uh, is the master of the silence and telling you something that um, he stays on message every single time. You know, you know, the best person will play. I don't know. I haven't I haven't looked at the tape yet. And people always all the time they try to get him. Oh, so, Bill, like, how is it that, you know. Do you have anything to say about, you know, like, let's say Colin Kaepernick, Black Lives Matter. We have many productive. And then, like, he doesn't even address the actual topic. He'll go, we'll have many. Um, we have many conversations about many different things with our players. You know, those those conversations will remain private. And it's like, boom. And then, like, people like, what are you going to say to like that that statement? You know, it's just general. It, it doesn't. It's, you know, and so like it's, it's so funny. But, you know, people can't really people can't really gotcha, you know, like that's the Twitter is like a, is like a mousetrap for that. Yeah. It is. And again, like if you just follow the rule of who's going to care, yeah. <laughs> is this thing? Hey, do I need to say this? Mm-hmm. Is the world a better place for me having said this? And if the answer <laughs> is no, then maybe just keep it to yourself. You know? Yeah, that's right. Um, so I guess, so this leads me to like another question, which is like, what mistakes do you think, that businesses make in communication to, to yeah. their public? I think that there are a few common ones. Number one is like saying something without really saying anything. Mm-hmm. What is this? Um, what does this even mean? Do you know what I mean? What I liked about that tailwind email so much was that the CEO personally stepped out of wherever, you know, they were hanging out and mm-hmm. took responsibility for this name mistake. And then, mm-hmm the personal responsibility for changing that. And so um, I think a lot of times in public communications, especially in like an oops moment, mm-hmm. uh, there's not enough ownership of the actual mistake. Um, in terms of overall messaging, I, I think uh, where I see a lot of companies go wrong too, is they're not like using real language and talking, talking to their customer. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, MBA business speak on a, on a one sheet page. Right. What, yeah. What is this even saying? Is this supposed to connect with me as the consumer? Because it doesn't. And mm-hmm. it makes you feel more corporate, right? The company yeah. feels like in, in less in touch with me, their target audience. Yeah. Um, so that's a mistake that I see businesses make quite frequently. It's that they go too they go too businessy. They go to like, they, they drop the care out of their language. Yeah. You know, when communicating. And I think that that's, um, that's a mistake that I see quite a bit. Um, another mistake, and I think that this is the big one and can actually lead to like a gotcha moment is if you put out a statement, let's say about black lives matter, mm-hmm. and then come to find out you've got some racist, uh, hiring practices, mm-hmm. that's a problem. So yeah. Jumping on bandwagons just to pay lip service to a group of people that you're, you know, trying to attract or to, you know, get five minutes of fame to piggyback on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some some national news and like an actual conversation that we're we're having as a country and having as a world. Uh, mm-hmm. There are Black Lives Matters protests out here in Amsterdam. Um, there was just one the other day. So it's like 
it's a global concern, but then you as a business coming out and saying something about it, if you don't actually walk the walk and you're just trying to talk the talk, mm-hmm. that's terrible. Yeah, because ultimately there's going to be someone who any, – anyone who makes a public s- statement like that, you're now open for public scrutiny, and people are going to dig, and they will dig. And, you know, and if you're a small business owner and, you know, and maybe this goes back to the concern that you were talking about before um, that small business owners have by if they get interviewed by multi, you know, multiple media outlets. Is there a mistake I made that could that could come up again um, in the future? Right. Um, And like I didn't mean something, but like, you know, in this age of like you said, Google, like takes two seconds to to find some things sometimes. And, um, you know, you may have meant something one way and another way. And it's, uh, <clears throat> it does create a culture of fear, um, sometimes, you know, but I guess it, it, it kind of goes back to making sure that when you're, when you run your business, everything you do has to be deliberate. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and at, at some point you kind of have to plan for the future, right? So like, if you're going to message now, your message has to say, like, you have to be planning that, okay, or, or maybe you have to say like, okay, in the future, I want to talk about this. So like leading up to this, these are some of the things like to your point, like I have to start saying now in order to get there, you know, and maybe it's, maybe it's not like a, a today thing. Maybe it's a message for like, you know, a year from now or two years from now, whatever. Well, you'll get better at it over time. So like thought leadership, it's not like you're not just suddenly a thought leader. All right. Like, typically happen overnight, you know, yeah. right. so, as, you know we call it collecting receipts. Mm-hmm. at the contract factory. So like what receipts are you collecting? And then that's going to be, you know, your social proof. We're trying to build all of the social proof. And so you get it a piece at a time and you get better at it over time. The, that CNN interview that I totally just like ate it off. <laughs> it was so bad. They didn't even put it online. It's so bad. They didn't even put it online. So you can't do it. Like, you know what I mean? Um, like you might have those moments, but it's not the end of the world and it's just going to prepare you better for the next time. And when I was, when I was on Fox business, I slayed it, yeah, you know, right. so, it, uh, it, so much of business is just like falling flat on your face, picking yourself up and dragging mm-hmm. yourself onto yeah. the, the next thing. Right. And again, you get better at all of these things over time. But if you allow yourself to be so intimidated by the process or so intimidated about you know, the potential success or the potential failure that, that you never get into PR, uh, over time, you're really missing out on a lot and it, it's going to negatively impact your overall presence. And it, it can, um, it makes you look less legitimate as a thought leader and as a CEO. You'll yeah. get some media coverage. Your grandma's yeah. going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> Go grandma. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. So I have one more question, and then um, I'd love for you to tell people how they can find you. And then, of course, um, we will make sure that we get everyone listening the resource that you told me about um, a little earlier. And so my last question is, so, okay, so so obviously we're, in, we're dealing with the coronavirus thing. Um, it's kind of how we started the messaging. I started our podcast and talking about that and PRing around that. Um, could a message about how safely you're taking the coronavirus is, is too much messaging around safety. Could that be actually, could it have the opposite effect, the opposite intended effect than you, than you thought? Like, could it cause more concerns, um, from the public than, um, than you, than you think? Well, I think you should take the temperature of, of your target audience. How well educated are they on the measures that you're taking to keep them and your employees safe? Do they need to be further educated on that? 
is there benefit in that? Do Are you keeping them healthier by giving them this information so that they can fully understand the ways in which you're going, you know, taking all measures that you can to keep everyone as safe and healthy as possible? Um, I don't think necessarily that needs to be a once a week communique. Do you hear right. Yeah. But can you make changes? And again, if all of it, if all of a sudden you're using UV lights to clean your gym thoroughly every hour, that's a that's a step that you want to communicate because it's you know going above and beyond to make sure that everyone who visits your facility and trusts you and your company uh, that you're you know worthy of that trust and you're returning the favor by keeping them safe. Yeah, I love it. All right, Gary, where can people find you if they want to get uh, you find me everywhere. So if uh, fast, we obviously know fast web. We think if you're if you're um, uh, if you've got fem listeners who are interested in search engine optimization, come join Sisters in SEO. It's free. It's a Facebook group, and uh, those ladies will answer any kind of questions that you have. It's a it's a very cool, safe group to learn about SEO, um, and obviously. Uh, it's female friendly, which a lot of online spaces are not. So uh, that's a great place. If anybody is interested in digital marketing services, we also have trainings in uh, both search engine optimization. We have an online course for that. And I'll be launching an online course next week in PR. Uh, our website is Content Back. And I also have a podcast. It's called Workationing. Mm-hmm. And it follows my adventures in uh, becoming a digital nomad and traveling the world while running my business and knocking out bucket list items. Someone's but, read the four hour work week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we talk about computers a lot over on that podcast. Yeah. Um, but that, that's how I'm in Amsterdam right now. I just started traveling and found this storybook place and decided to stay. But my website is content back, C O N T E N T S A C.com. And that's all of our social media handles too. We're pretty consistent about that. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, no, we, um, the, all your information will be in the, the description for this episode, of course, and they'll be able to, if they have any questions at all, I'm sure you will get people to contact you because people want to know, um, what you have to offer. Obviously you well, the drop very, a lot of gems. Go download that, uh, Hero template. Like it's the pitch written out for you. You don't have yeah. to get write a pitch and this one works it's generated millions of dollars of media coverage for our clients so you're like it's a good one and it's free and that'll be in the show notes too okay yes yes it will thank you carrie thank you for taking the time um we had a little technical difficulty trying to explain the the unexplainable explainable um but uh but overall it was it was a really good interview i appreciate your time i appreciate you uh you doing what you do man uplifting people and at the same time making people millions of dollars so thank you very much just doing what I can. Regular there Tuesday. You go. <laughs> <laughs> Regular Tuesday. Who knows where she'll, well, the, all the borders are closed over where you are, so I'm not sure. Yeah, I'll be chilling in Amsterdam for a while in my apartment. My, my apartment and my cat have been getting a lot of FaceTime with me lately. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Like, I know weekend plans these days are kind of taking a nice drive to the living room and, you know, yeah. spending a night, a night overnight in your kitchen, you know, before you hit the basement. You know what I mean? That's like... <laughs> That's, that's like what weekends are like. Anyways, thank you for your time. And um, we will definitely have you back because um, I have a million questions. You've already opened Pandora's box. Until the cows come home, I try and make it interesting. Yes, I love <laughs> SEO. SEO is so important. And uh, anyways, that's a whole other hour that we could talk yeah. about SEO. Um, all right, we'll talk to you guys soon. Say again. 
I look forward to returning. Thanks again for having me. Awesome. So just a few takeaways from my interview with Carrie that uh, I think that you all will enjoy. It's the first of which is that um, if you mess up in the business um, or small business owner publicly, then own your mistake. Tell people what you're determined to do in the future to fix it and also what you're determined to do in the future to, to make sure that it's right. Um, number two, jumping on bandwagons. Uh, to piggyback on movements of the day when you don't truly and authentically feel connected to it. Um, it can have an effect on your customer base. Um, you have to walk the walk all the time or you'll open yourself up for even more scrutiny. Authenticity is the word of the day. Um, and number three, there are some free ways to get PR. Uh, one of the best ways out there if you're trying to raise your profile is helpareporter.com. That's helpareporter.com. Um, many media outlets are looking for people with expertise. If you do truly have expertise, of course, they vet the people that they, they ask and they bring in. Go to helpareporter.com um, and see if you can get yourself um, scheduled um, for some kind of interview to get yourself some PR, raise your profile, which inevitably positions you as an expert in your field. And then ultimately, you'll be able to sell even more of what you sell. Well, we had a great show today, a lot of information that we went over. Um, I can't wait till next week. On the next episode of the Common Sense Show, we're actually going to be um, talking to Travis Jacobs again from the Jacobs Law uh, about some of the class action lawsuits that have happened um, with regard to the coronavirus um, and with governors. Um, it's a very interesting conversation um, that uh, we had with Travis, and uh, I think that you'll enjoy it. So. Uh, thank you for tuning in today. Don't forget, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the common sense podcast, Twitter at sense, that's C E N T S podcast, uh, Instagram at the common sense podcast. And you can always email us if you have questions, if there's something that you want to give us some feedback on, something that you want to hear on the show at info at the common sense podcast.com if you like what you're hearing on the podcast don't forget to drop us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform until next time use your common sense in your business and your business will grow but for now i'm out of here play us out paul
It's time for another Common Sense Conversation. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.